0: Baker Botts LLP provides podcasts for educational purposes only. They are not legal advice. This communication may constitute attorney advertising. Welcome to the environmental evolutions podcast where we explore the changing landscape of environmental law and policy. I'm your host, Megan Burge, coming to you from Joshua Tree, California. Joining me today for a fast facts on recent events at FERC is my partner, Emil Barth, from our energy regulatory group. Thank you for joining me, Emil.
1: Hey, good morning, Megan. Great to be with you.
0: So, Emil, FERC had a big week last week to say the least, and the implications are significant for natural gas infrastructure. So before we start the fast facts, timer, can you provide a quick level set?
1: Sure. So on Thursday, FERC issued a certificate policy statement that sets forth the factors that it will apply in assessing applications for new natural gas infrastructure, mainly pipelines. It also applied to storage as well. And that was a long-standing effort it has been going on for several years, them reanalyzing the policy statement, which was last updated in 1999. And then on the same day, they also issued what they call an interim greenhouse gas policy statement, interim because it's subject to change, but discussing how FERC will assess significance from greenhouse gas emissions going forward and how it will count those emissions. So a really big day at FERC last Thursday for natural gas infrastructure.
0: When you say significance, can you explain why that matters?
1: Yeah, for a long time now, FERC has not made an assessment of whether or not greenhouse gas emissions from a project, both direct emissions and upstream and downstream emissions were significant. It it did a little of that previously, uh, but it hadn't fully developed a policy. It was kind of doing it on a case-by-case basis. And now, for the first time, FERC has announced what it uh, will presume to be significant emissions. That's a rebuttable presumption, but it sort of uh, sets the base for how FERC will look at emissions going forward.
0: So, in summary, FERC found a climate policy.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. And, you know, Commissioner Christie, commenting on it, said this introduced the the mother of all legal weapons, where FERC is now going beyond how it's traditionally interpreted its responsibilities under the Natural Gas Act and under NEPA, and now uh, adopted uh, a climate policy.
0: And for anyone listening that isn't familiar with NEPA stands for the National Environmental Policy Act. It requires paperwork, paperwork, and more paperwork to be completed and deemed adequate before a Project can move 4. With that in mind, I think we're ready to start the timer. I'm gonna give 15 minutes on the clock to condense three major developments into bite sized pieces and tell our listeners what they really need to know about them.
1: Great, thank you, Megan. First, FERC is going to do a deep dive into Project Need. Previously, as I just mentioned, it was adequate in most cases for a pipeline. To uh, demonstrate that it entered into precedent agreements for the capacity of the new pipeline that would show market need and essentially left it to the market to decide whether or not the pipeline uh, was needed. Now, FERC is going to look at those precedent agreements, but it's also going to do its own review of whether or not there's demonstrated need for the project. Uh, The next element of the new policy statement is going to be a more comprehensive review of a range of impacts. First, starting with environmental justice. Uh, FERC has said it's going to do a very robust review of environmental justice in each case. Uh, It put what methodology it's going to follow on hold to see what other agencies in the federal government will do. Uh, Recently, the White House Council on Environmental Quality is expected to issue an environmental justice screening tool, and that may be one option that FERC will use in these construction proceedings to look at environmental justice issues. The second area that FERC going to do a deeper dive in is uh, impacts on landowners. Landowner notice and opportunity to comment and to participate in the appeals process has really been front and center at FERC over the last few years. And it's also going to put the burden on the pipeline to show that it engaged in in the good faith negotiations with landowners because FERC wants to try to minimize to the extent possible, the pipeline's exercise of eminent domain. The next area that uh, FERC is gonna look at very closely is impacts to other pipelines and to their customers. The interstate uh, natural gas pipeline system uh, is an integrated grid in many areas. And FERC is gonna look and see if that, if a new proposed pipeline is built is that going to have impacts uh, on interconnected pipelines and their customers? Uh, and finally, as FERC has done over the years, is going to take a very close look at all of the environmental impacts uh, of the project, whether those be to natural resources, cultural resources, and all of the other areas that go into the preparation uh, of an environmental impact statement or environmental assessment. So what are the public interests that can be served by a project that will complete the picture? And, you know, we've been talking about what are the negative impacts of a project? What are the positive impacts of the project that FERC will take into account? And it, it definitely mentioned these specifically in the policy statement. So one is serving customer need. Is there a demand out there in the natural gas market that will be served by this pipeline? That will factor it as a public benefit. Um, the next is displacement of uh, higher polluting generation resources. So if this natural gas is going to go for natural gas fire generation, it's going to displace coal or displace fuel oil. FERC will look at that uh, as a positive factor. The next is uh, integration of renewable resources. You know, Because of the intermittency of solar and wind, natural gas generation helps integrate renewables onto the grid by being able to start up quickly to provide electricity in times when the sun isn't out or uh, the wind is not blowing. And so FERC will look at uh, how the use of this pipeline to deliver fuel to generation that can help integrate renewable resources. They'll look at that as a positive factor. Uh, And then finally, FERC will look at jobs and taxes, right? How How many jobs will this pipeline create, both in terms of construction and permanent jobs, and then what is the uh, benefit in, in terms of taxes from the construction and operation of the pipeline. So that's the certificate policy statement. So what is FERC going to do with all this information? It's going to continue to apply a sort of a balancing scale under the public interest standard, but it announced very specifically in the policy statement that projects that have significant impacts from just one of these factors or a lot of impacts across a range of different factors. Say you have impacts to natural resources and to landowners and environmental justice. It's going to require a greater showing of public benefits in order to balance uh, against those impacts. And it's also, as it has traditionally done, going to require, to the greatest extent possible, mitigation uh, of impacts as well and applying that public interest calculus. Overall, from a the perspective of developing a natural gas infrastructure project, you know, project um, developers should really be prepared to engage in very fact specific analysis related to their project to really uh, support the record on these issues. So, together with the certificate policy statement, FERC also issued what it called the interim greenhouse gas policy statement. It's interim because FERC views the science and the modeling and the tools with respect to analyzing emissions still developing and has even uh, set a comment deadline of April 4, 2022 to get more feedback on this interim policy statement. Um, so, so the first feature of the new interim policy is that it's set a significance threshold of 100,000 metric tons per year Of carbon dioxide equivalent emissions. FERC is going to consider any project that has emissions at that level as significant. It's a rebuttable presumption. So a project proponent and others can submit evidence in the record to rebut whether or not that level is, whether or not the level of emissions from this particular project is significant. Now, why this is important is, as we mentioned earlier on, FERC has not really set a significance criteria before, and now FERC has really announced a very discreet level for the significance threshold. It's codified in the statement that it's going to look at upstream and downstream emissions, so long as they're reasonably foreseeable. FERC also mentioned it's going to look at mitigation in this area, It didn't announce any specifics of what it would consider to be adequate mitigation. It looks like these are pretty broad guidelines and are still going to be developed on a case-by-case basis as updated when FERC sees new policies or tools being developed by other agencies that it thinks it should apply. So there's more to come on that, but we've already seen pipelines going out to the market And procuring emissions offsets to offset their greenhouse gas emissions. This new policy is subject to public comment. So, FERC will be getting public feedback, both from the industry and other industry interested parties. So, we expect that this uh, statement is going to be evolving over time.
0: Abel, I think what I just heard is that these FERC policies make it harder to justify a project and that these policies make it less likely that projects are going to get approved going forward.
1: Yes, I think that's right. I I think these policies are going to make it harder to justify uh, a project.
0: I was hoping you weren't going to say that, Abel. You
1: know, FERC really seems like it's going to engage in a searching review of a project to get out in front of these issues. A pipeline is going to really need to focus on building a record to address these issues uh, with its application and then all throughout the proceedings.
0: Thank you, Emil. Before I let you go, I have to ask one last question. What piece of practical advice would you give for our
1: listeners? Yeah, I think there are two pieces of advice for our our listeners. Uh, One is to really participate in these proceedings going forward as a comment period for the interim greenhouse gas emissions policy statement. So folks should figure out ways to participate in that and communicate their views. And the other piece of advice is there's more homework to be done at the beginning of that application, even though there's a lot of uncertainty on how these new policies will be applied. I think there are some things that the pipeline can do proactively to support its project and to successfully obtain a certificate from the commission.
0: Links to FERC's new policies are available in our episode notes, as well as AMOL's contact information. Please feel free to reach out if you have questions, concerns, or just would like to discuss. With that, I'm Megan Bergs. Thank you for spending time with me today. Thank you for listening to this BakerBots podcast. For more information on BakerBots practices, please visit us at bakerbots.com. For over 180 years, through 13 offices in nine countries, BakerBots has the experience, knowledge, and people to solve our clients' most significant legal issues. This presentation is provided by Baker Botts LLP for educational and informational purposes only. It is not legal advice. Under the rules of certain jurisdictions, this communication may constitute attorney advertising.